0: you to help us pray this morning. We're going to start the message. Father, God, we praise your holy name for your blessings. God, we thank you, Lord, for that field of grace. God, we thank you for, Lord, the testimonies that's been given today and the songs that we've heard. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you might just speak to us today. You know what my heart is set on. God, you know the, the burden that I have today. And God, you know the confusion that I have as to why you would want this message. But Father, I ask you today that you would just guide our heart and our thoughts. Father, we pray that you would let the message speak for itself. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost of God would go from the front pew to the last. Lord, from the left to the right and in between, God, we pray that you would just get a hold of the hearts of your people. God, I pray that if there's a sinner man or a sinner child here, God, I pray today that you would get a hold of their heart, draw them to the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. We praise your holy name, in your Son's name, Amen. I want to preach on this thought today, the end of man without God. The end of man without God. I do not have a text uh, that I uh, just told Brother Kirk, I said, that makes me nervous. It nearly about makes me sick to my stomach. I've never been to school, but I know enough to know that if you're going to preach a message, you need to have a text, and that message needs to be built around that text. And so I'm going off script today, and I'm going outside of any any education that I do have, and I'm going against the brethren, and I'm just going to preach my heart today and I'm going to preach what God's given me over the last week, really. Uh, but this is a message that's been on my heart since June. And I've been trying my best to pinpoint exactly what God would want. And it is this thought of hell. Now, we're preaching on the end of man without God, but the end result of this is preaching about eternity without God. And so, as as over these last months and weeks, I've been... "...thinking why this thought of hell? Who is going to hell? Why do they have to go to hell? What, what really is hell? Can you really define it? And those are all things that we know. We, we, we know that those that go to hell, they are sinners. We, we know that they will go to hell because they've rejected Christ. We know that uh, hell is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And, and in Matthew he says it's outer darkness or utter darkness. But somebody here today may need to know a little bit more about... Uh, somebody might need to know a little bit more about the penalty of hell and the reality of hell. And praise God, they might need to know that there is a better option, a better way. And I want to try to preach on that this morning. And I cover your prayers. Uh, whoa. If I was lost today, if, if I knew that I did not have a relationship with God... And I knew that if I were to die right now, I'd die lost without God and I'd go to hell. I believe today I'd sit up straight and I'd listen just as close as I could. I'd try my best to put aside everything outside. I gotta go to work tomorrow, put it aside. I gotta go to school, put it aside. I got lunch after, put it aside. Everything that you're thinking about, I'd encourage you to put it aside today and think about this, that this could be the last message that you'll ever hear. Now, I want to start by by this. It's not alliterated. It's just going to be simple today. But I want us to know that, first of all, for this man, the end of man without God, I want you to know that there is a drawing. There's a lot of folks that would say that there's people in the deepest, darkest Africas around the world that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ unless someone goes to them. And while, in part, I agree with that, according to Scripture, that they... They are without excuse. If they're living and they're breathing in this world today, they are without excuse if they die without God. I'll give you some things about that today. But this drawing, it may be called a calling or it may be called a convi- I like conviction. I like old fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. I-I wasn't just, uh, I wasn't just whispered to Honey, I'm talking on April 24th, 1992, while I was cleaning that inch and a quarter inch, it's as if God, the Holy Ghost, got in my ear and yelled at me and said, It's now or it's never. I was telling some of the men yesterday in August of 1991... That's when God got me under Holy Ghost conviction. I'd made a profession of faith. I'd been baptized. I'd sing in the choir. I was singing specials. I was preaching out in the woods. I thought I was good. thought I was right, but I was wicked. I was doing wicked things. But in August 1991, our brother Jeff Plymouth got to talking about that Lamb of God. He kept repeating, the Lamb, the Lamb, the Lamb. He kept telling us about what the Lamb did and what the blood would do. And honey, the Holy Ghost began to Draw my heart. He began to convict me, and there was nothing I could do. I tried my best to fight it. I tried my best to convince God that I was already saved, but there was a drawing on me, and I had no choice. You said, "Watch it now. You're getting into Calvinism. You better shut your face. I'll punch you in the nose in Jesus' name." I'm not talking about Calvinism. I said I had no choice in this. In this conviction, I, I didn't want it. Did you hear what I said? I didn't want, I didn't ask God to convict me. I didn't ask God to start drawing me, but when he did, as I said, I tried to get away from him, uh, but there was something in me, Brother Bobby, as he drew me, I began to draw closer to him. As he sought me, Brother Jody, I told him what you said yesterday. As the Lord sought me, I began to seek him. As he got a little closer, I got a little closer. As he began to whisper, I began to wonder, hey, I'm telling you today how the there is a, for every man, woman, boy and girl, how there is a drawing of the Holy Ghost to God the Father. It begins when God begins to deal with a man's heart to seek the Lord. I told you in Sunday school if you were here about that little verse there in uh, Romans chapter number 3. I forgot what verse it was. 10, 11, 12. Something along there uh, where it said that there's no man that seeketh after God. And I said that was a little confusing to me and Brother Jody cleared it up. And he said that by faith God gives a man faith uh, to seek after God and all the while God is seeking after him. Hey, I'm telling you when God gets to that point and He sees you little boy or He sees you Little girl, he sees you, mom or dad, your man and woman, and he sees that you're just about ready how to make a whole life change, a change for all eternity. He will give you the Holy Spirit of God, he'll give you enough faith to want something more, how to want something better, how to want the light rather than darkness. And it is God, the Holy Ghost, that is laying something called the convicting power of God in your life. It's, it begins begins when the gospel is declared it begins when god reveals a better way i normally try my best to put all of these in here so i can quickly i call these scriptures off but we're going to take our time this morning and we're going to get into these scriptures now you keep your bible open i want to hear pages turning second peter chapter number three verse number nine Oh, my God in heaven. It says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. I might tell you I'm going to be there tomorrow at 11 o'clock, and I might be there at 11.15. I might be there at 11.30 or maybe at 2 o'clock. I, sometimes I get slack in my promises. Hey, but not one time has God ever been slack on any promise. And I said, not one time has he ever been late. Oh, Lazarus been dead. He's stinking in the grave. His sister and his brothers. I said, hey, or his sisters rather. I said, hey, go tell Jesus Lazarus is just sick. He's just sick. Go tell him. And Jesus tarried two more days in the place that he was. I then after that, I t- took a 2 days journey, finally got to Lazarus. No more was he sick, Brother Jody. But he was dead. He stunk. And they said, Why have you tarried? Why are you awake? The songwriter said that even though he's four days late, he's still right on time. Can about four people say amen right there? I'm glad that even in our terms, when it seems like God's nowhere, He's there. Amen. Oh, when it seems like God's late, He's never one time been late. Hey, I'm telling you, God's not slack concerning His promise. What is His promise? He it is. Notice what it says. As some men count sickness, but it's long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I could probably name some in, in, in media that probably uh, they, they, they might deserve what might be coming to them. If they keep living, I could probably, in my critical and judgmental self, well, if they go to hell, they deserve it. But I'm gonna tell you something. God's not willing that any should perish they may be reprobate they may be wicked they may be vile but god sent his only begotten son for them that little boy he just started kindergarten this year he might not be able to say his abc's his one two threes tell the difference between red and yellow i don't know but i'm gonna tell you something that little boy that little girl how god sent his only begotten son for them to receive them as children amen that man that's out there, and he's crooked, he's wicked, he's done everything. He's uh, he's broken every law there is. He's broken moral laws. He's broken legal laws. He's broken spiritual laws. But there is a God in heaven uh, that is not willing that he should perish, uh, but that he should come to repentance. Amen. There is a drawing. God is willing. He is willing to save all men. I want us to turn over there to John. The Gospel of John chapter number 6 I want us to see this turn with me John chapter 6 verse number 44 it says no man can come to me Jesus said except the father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day Jesus says if you want to come to me the father's going to have to draw you Can I tell you today that God's willing to draw you God drew me. God called to me. And I'm glad that I answered. I could have reject I said I could have rejected it. I could have reject I could have told God no. Let me go a step further. I could have depended on that little prayer I prayed to that little fella back there. I could have depended on that that water baptism. Uh, But there was a God that began to draw me and began to tell me that that was just a prayer. That was just a bath. Uh, But there was no uh, baptism of blood. There was no covering of sin. There was no repentance of sin. And I'm glad today uh, that God in heaven began to draw me. Turn over John chapter number 12. Y'all still with me? John chapter 12, verse number 32. Notice what the Bible says. And Jesus says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus said, Honey, high church, disciples, if you will but lift me up, I'll begin to draw. I'll begin to draw all men unto me. said well I don't know how to reach him I told a young lady the other day she said I don't want to offend him I got a friend that he needs he needs the Lord in his life I don't know what to say I don't know how I can talk to him I don't want to offend him I don't want to hurt his feelings I don't want to push him away I said all you need to do is just follow God do what he's told you to do If, if he gets offended if he gets further pushed away it is not your fault you've done what God told you to do I'm going to tell you something if the Holy Ghost of God offends a man they're in a bad shape. If the Word of God offends a man, he's in a a bad predicament. Now if a man offends a man by calling his mama fat or his daddy this, that, or the other, that's a whole other thing. You can get away with that. But when God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost begin to draw you, and you get offended by what they tell you. You're on a bad road. There is a drawing. Christ will draw. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 16, down through verse number 20. We read some of this this morning, so y'all hang on. We're going to read a couple more. We'll read even more in Romans chapter 1 here in a little while. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God's already given something in you that manifests Him Himself. Did you catch that? Did you catch it? When you were born of woman, there's something already in you that draws you back to God. It's already in you making God manifest. But people find it. People try other ways to feel it. People try other ways to satisfy it. But here he says, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Listen. For God hath showed it unto them. The invisible things of Him uh, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even by His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You say, well, I, I remember what's said about those deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. Surely they got to have somebody to, to read the Bible and sing, Jesus loves me, and just as a... No, no, no! He says here that they are without excuse. Even creation itself speaks of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loved the world. That is the gospel. God sent His Son to die for you. God sent His sons to die for your sins. He died. He was buried. He rose again. But There's a warning in this drawing. Do not reject him. Do not push him away. Now, let's segue into point number two. We're talking about the end of a man without God. There's a drawing. Without God, though, his end, there is a rejection. There is rejection in Second Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Say, Brother Jamie, why would you read this verse? It doesn't talk about hell. It doesn't talk about those. But listen to this. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. As a Christian, and most of us, if not all of us may be a Christian. I don't know your heart today. But as a Christian, we have an enemy that seeks to devour us. But if you're here today and you're lost, you do not have an enemy that seeks to devour you. You have a Father that seeks to blind you. Did you hear what I said? As a Christian, we have an enemy that's seeking to devour us. But if you're lost, your father, which is the devil, seeks to blind you. Matter of fact, he says he's already, already in whom the God of this world hath already hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You Catch that? Everybody says, well, the devil's out to devour me if you're lost. He's already got you. There's no need for Him to devour you. All He needs to do is keep you blindfolded. What is He trying to blind? From the light, I love it, of the glorious gospel of Christ. Don't, don't, don't look! Don't look! I was laying in bed the other morning, Friday morning, about got in the, there's a hair somewhere, Gotten in the flesh, when we get that here, I lay in there, sleep, trying to sleep so peaceful. My wife got up, she went to into the restroom and she turned the light. We got those LED lights that are about twelve million hundred thousand volts at watts, whatever they are. And that light pierced my eyes. I did this right here, and she said, "Oh, sorry." She went in, she come out. She, was, I think she was coming out when that happened. She got something, she went back in, she opened the door, guess what happened? All over again. The devil, he doesn't want you to see that light. So he blinds you. Now, I'm sure, Kurt, right now, you can you can look at that window, you can see the light coming around that window, kind of coming through, you can see the effect of the light. But even if you close your eyes, you could still see a little bit of that light. You're your, the blood vessels in your eyes they 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 create a red or an orange tint. You you see that. You ask somebody that's blind, look at that window. They're not going to see nothing. They won't see a thing. It's just dark. That's what the devil desires to have lost people. So if you're here today and you think and you think, if you're here today and you think you're lost. You need to decide have you been blinded or can you see the light? Can you feel the Holy Ghost when He's moving? Is the Lord speaking to you? Does God give you peace? Does God when when you do wrong, does God convict you when you're wrong? Because if not, it could be that you've been blinded to the glorious the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Let's go on. There's a rejection. Mark chapter number 3. We're hurrying. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 29. Now, if you if you promise, every one of y'all promise to be back tonight, I might finish this up. But if y'all don't promise, I'm doing it all today. Mark chapter number 3, verse number 29. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. I'm talking about the rejection. So here the Scripture says that if one blasphemes against the Holy Ghost, I'm paraphrasing, he does not, he will not have, ever, never, ever have forgiveness and is in danger of what does he say eternal help me damnation Blaspheming of the holy ghost i told i've used the word rejection rejection of the holy ghost is denying the gospel is saying "I, i don't have time for you now god I might believe that you are. Well, the devils believe and tremble. So, don't put too much stock in just believing. All right, y'all heard me. I told you a little while ago. I don't even know if I told you. I don't remember how Ju- Judas when he when he when he when he betrayed the Lord, he repented, but I believe he went to hell because the Bible says that he repented of himself. It didn't say that he repented to Christ. So there's some folks that are saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they're repenting, if you will, but they have no belief in God. There's some folks, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, but they will not let go of their sin. And so if you're one or the other, then guess what you're doing? You're blaspheming the Holy Ghost of God. I told you, April 24th, 1992, on the driver's side of my daddy's truck, I was cleaning an inch and a quarter of a inch i had been sitting there with tears in my eyes. I've been listening to the preacher preach all day long. Same message. On repeat. Kept rewinding the tape. Kept playing it. Kept on going. Kept on going. God began to call me. He began to say, All right, it's time. You need to get saved. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Don't worry about you what you've done. Don't worry about what you're doing. He said, I'll cover it. I'll good God. I'll cover it. I'll forgive you. I'll wash it away. I'll make all things new. Don't worry about what you've done. Worry about what my son's done. Don't worry about what you can do, worry about what I can do don't worry about where you've been worry about where you're going, hey God began to deal with my heart on all those things brother Bobby, I could have said no but with my hand up I, I told you just a little bit ago I felt like God said it's now or it's never, brother Deke, if I'd have rejected God right then I don't know today if I'd be in hell, but my life would not be what it is today I'm telling you for a man without God, his end is going to have rejection. It starts. It starts with the drawing. God's going to draw him. God's going to draw every man. He's not willing with he should perish. He's going to call to everyone, that everyone has an opportunity to accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to read it. I, I, I'm going to hurry through Romans chapter number one. You go through there, verse number eighteen. It gives you. Uh, um, it gives you. Uh, how that creation uh, testifies of God, it begins to proclaim the gospel of God, it begins to talk about how that men uh, love the creature more than the creator, they worship the creature more than the creator, they change the image of God into images of this world, and at the end of that chapter, and the beginning of chapter number 2, it says that you are without excuse. And I want you to know today, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ, you You, today, my friend, are without excuse. You cannot blame ignorance of God's law. You cannot blame stupidity. You cannot blame the fact that you didn't know any better. You cannot blame this church. You cannot blame me. If you die right now without God and by rejecting Him, you will spend eternity in everlasting torment. And today you are without excuse second Peter again chapter number two second Peter chapter number two verse number nine and ten I want us to look quickly over here I feel like I need to finish this message so I need you to help me second Peter chapter number two verse number nine verse number 10 said the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations but he also "...and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished." But listen to this, there's a but in verse number 10. "...but chiefly, but uh, uh, um, uh, uh, um, especially them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities." Even this evil speaking evil of dignities, ideally that is me and that is the principalities of this world, uh, but it can even be talking about the majesty of God, and they are evil e- they are speaking evil against. God Himself. You think I was? I was watching something the other day, and I tell you, one snuck up on me. Everything was just fine and dandy, not using any language. And all of a sudden, somebody used the Lord's name in vain, and I tell you, it ran from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. It made me so mad I couldn't hardly see straight. People do not care. It used to be when it was just men, and even those men—they were of the vilest type. They were always around men. They were just burly men. They were the only. ones ones that talk that way, but then it began to be a custom in in, in men just of, of any era, any statute. And now here's women and even children using God's name in vain. I'm telling you, when you get to that point, when you can freely use God's name in vain, you're on shaky ground. Somebody help me. But he said, he used this word chiefly. He said, them that walk around in the flesh after the, or in the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness. God can deliver. But according to verse number 9, He can also reserve judgment. Yeah. I, I for one, I want to be delivered. Look at it. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. I want God to handle me. I want God to take me out in the right direction. I do not want to be reserved to The day of judgment. Thankfully, I will not be. I've already made my preparations. Amen. I've made, and scripture, I've, I've made my peace call and election sure. The old timers used to say it like that. They kind of rearranged some of those letters, those words. I made my peace call and election sure. I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm ready on my way to heaven. Listen, there's a rejection. There's some, maybe somebody today. That you're you're right on the precipice of rejection. Right now, at Lighthouse Baptist Church, on August the 7th, little before 12, you're receiving your last gospel message and you're just about to reject God. I want you to know what your end is going to be. There's rejection number three, then comes death. We know... James chapter number four, verse number 14. It says, "Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish, vanisheth away. We know, we know that we don't know what's going to be on tomorrow. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. We might make our plans, we've got to do this. we've got to do this. My wife and I we're supposed to be going out of town tomorrow, but we don't know. I'm not being funny when I say this, but I might wake up dead tomorrow. And plans are changed. I might be in the hospital tonight. I might have to make a trip in another direction. God might call you home. You might get in your vehicle and everything's fine. It's past every safety check. But all of a sudden, a wheel might fall off of that thing going 70 miles an hour. And you had no idea what was about to happen. You end up wrapped around a pine tree, dead, lost, going to a devil's hell without God. Then comes death. Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 27. And and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Let me tell you something. Every day is numbered. God, as far as I know, God's the only one that knows that number. And He knows that number for every one of us. You need to live your life today like it could be the very last day. And in doing so, I'd make sure not to reject the Lord, but I'd make sure to prepare for certain death. Cuz after death, the judgment. I've been saying this for years. People say how you doing, I don't say it often cuz it just sounds sounds like I'm being weird, which I know I am. How you doing? Well, I'm living and dying a little bit each day. I'm living. I'm breathing. I'm walking around. I'm enjoying life. God's been good. But every breath is one less breath I have. Every step is one less take I'll ever take. One, one less step I'll ever take. Every time my heart beats, it's one less than I had a little while ago. We're living and We're dying. Every day. But I want you to know, your heart will stop one of these days. Now, if you're saved, there is a little caveat to that. And that is the Lord may come and rapture you out of here and you'll be called away to be with Him forever. Amen. Somebody that's ready to go to heaven say amen. But we're talking about people that are without God. Without God, it is appointed unto men once to die. Your heart may stop. You may have a stroke. You may be laid up in a hospital and you can't communicate. There's no brain activity. It's too late. I said it's too late! Listen, death is coming. I mentioned this earlier, kind of in the introduction, but I'll say it again. This may be the last church you will ever sit in, but it could be the last time you see a face that you've seen this morning. Death is coming. Number four. The end of a man without God. That man is cast into hell. The first mention of hell, I'm not even going to read it. The first mention of hell is over in Numbers chapter number 16. It's not, it's not written as hell. Hell is not in the text. It's the word pit. Some of you may remember that, especially if you've been reading your Bible this year. Hopefully you have. But there was a man by the name of Korah, and he was the son of Levi, and he was of that that Levite group, and he had position in church, and they were supposed to be taking care of this, that, and the other. But he noticed Moses, and he noticed that every time God wanted to talk to the people, he'd talk through Moses, and he got upset about it. And he, he went to Moses, he went to Aaron, and and he said, listen, I think you've exalted yourself uh, above everybody else, maybe we need to knock you down a little bit, well... Moses immediately fell on his face toward God, but he told, uh, Korah, he said, alright Korah, he said, you go get you some of that incense and you put it in a censer and you go before God and I'll do the same thing. And whoever's left standing, that is the God's anointed. It wasn't but just a little bit, and that all happened. And the Bible said that the earth began to quake and shake and opened up. And the Bible says that Korah was swallowed up, and all that appertained unto Korah, every person, every animal, every possession that was Korah's went straight to hell. You said, are you saying if we go up against you, the man of God, that we'll go to hell? I'd like to say it better be careful talking about the men of God. I'd like to say it, but I'm not going to step on, on, I'm not going to fight that war right now, Brother Bobby. But I will say this. Korah, in standing against God's man, Moses, he stood in the face of God. And because he stood in the face of God and doubted God's plan for Moses and doubted God's will for the people of Israel, God took him and he put him in a place called the pit which is hell. Listen. Talking about the end of a man without God. Listen to me now. Listen to me. That was the first mention. He denied God's will. Now, Matthew, I'm trying to stay in the New Testament because that is the the age in which we live today. In Matthew chapter number 25, now, this entire um, uh, discourse, if you will, this is the Sermon on the Mount. I guess you might say the Olivet Discourse. And I believe that many of these passages are prophetical. They are uh, of days to come. But in Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 41, uh, Jesus he is speaking and He says that, uh, Then He shall say unto those on the left hand, Depart from Me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. And He says, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I'd love to be able to deal with the first part of that, but I have to today tell you that hell is prepared. It is a prepared place. But it says it's for the devil and his angels. It's not even for men. God did not design hell to hold men. He created hell for that wicked devil that thought that he could be like God and all of the angels that fell with Him as their eternal place. But men sinned in the garden and then began to reject Him. And in that rejection of God, they had to be damned to a place called hell. Luke chapter number 16. Again, I'm not going to... I'm not going to try to read all of these. I'd love to. Luke 16, verse number 19. There was a certain rich man. He was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid out his gate full of sores, Designed to be fed. You know all that. It came to pass. The beggar died and was carried by Verse 22. Carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried, verse 24, and said unto Abraham, Have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember thou that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. He said, He's comforted, and thou art tormented. Verse 26, and beside all this, between here and there, there's a great gulf fixed, and That which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from this. He said, Well, I pray thee, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. And I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place to torment. Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So, now, I want to deal with this thing about being cast into hell. We're talking about the end of a man without God. Hell was prepared. we just established. That and this passage of scripture, uh, you can turn your page and you can see that there was a parable about a supper, and there was a parable about this. There's a parable about a lost coin. There was a parable about a shepherd. Uh, There's a parable about this. There's a parable. About... But here Jesus begins to name names, and this is not a parable. Uh, Jesus is testifying. Of course, he's God in the flesh. Y'all know that he's testifying about a happening. We do not know when it happened, but we knew because God cannot lie that it did happen and he's saying this is what happened he died he was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes so i want you to know today that hell is a real place y'all write this down I'm, i'm ready to go hell is a real place it's a place of consciousness you're being conscious of punishment Conscience of fire. Conscious rather of thirst conscious of pain, conscious of separation. You can find all of this in in Luke chapter number 16 right here. He said there's punishment. There was torment. There was fire. There were flames. He was thirsty. There was pain. There was separation. His brothers, I could not go to him. He could not go to them. He had a desire to give the gospel to them now. So we see that it was a place of consciousness. It was a place of concern. He wanted mercy. He said, give me something to drink. He wanted relief he was thirsty, he tried to repent he, was con- he had concern for others, again send somebody that they can go and tell my brothers, uh, but I notice what it says, Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them there's a lot of folks trying, I, I get sick and tired of a lot of folks trying to blame everybody else about their problem how about just own, how about just own it Quit trying to blame everybody else. Well, I'm this way because of my mama. I'm this way because of my daddy. I, no, no. Those were your choices. I'm not fully convinced about this generational curse. But if there is one, you can break it. My daddy was a drunk, so I'm going to be a drunk. Hogwash! Put the bottle down. My daddy was a doper, so I'm going to be a doper. Negative. Put the needle down. Put the cigarette down. Put the joint down. Put all the other stuff down. Stop it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help y'all right here, and y'all gonna have to pay attention to me. Jody, stand up. You you were you, you drank alcohol, right? You did drugs, right? Jody, stand up. Little Jody, whatever your name is, stand up, Kurt. I don't know about alcohol, but I know you did did some drugs. I know you're into some things. You sold some, right? All right. Now you stay right here, but I want you to notice December eighth, December tenth, two thousand eight. That was a that was a that was a choice made that broke a generational curse. It, it it. If if there is a generational curse, all right, y'all hear me what I'm saying. But the effect had already transferred to this one. He had already seen his daddy doing some of those things. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he y'all hear what I'm saying? He was already affected. He had already got run. He had already been, he had already been instructed on what his daddy was doing. And now, now, Kaylee, you stand up for a minute. And I need you to answer these right because I ain't asked you, but never alcohol, never drugs, never been running around with anybody. Wanna know what happened right there? He got stopped. Wanna know how he got stopped? Because of Calvary. Because he because he repented. Because he did not, he did not reject the Holy Ghost of God that day that God called on him. Now, you say, All right, all right, Camden, I know you're kind of halfway standing up, but stand up for me just a second. Camden has never drank alcohol, he's never done drugs. He's never experienced any of those things. And even if he did see any of that in his father, he was too young to remember it. But I'm glad that a little over two years ago, Kurt made a decision not just of or in himself, but God uh, Kurt made a decision for God uh, to stop his own generational curse. He could have had a son that grew up to do the same thing. His son could have grown up to have a child to do the same thing, but because they did not reject the Holy Ghost of God, uh, their eternal home is no longer damnation in hell in torments. Y'all can be seated. Their home is now in glory. Their home is in heaven. Uh, they been redeemed. They've been made righteous. But I'm going to tell you something. If you continue in those things and you do reject God, it does not matter what kind of effect you've had on everyone else. You, my friend, will die and go to hell. Curtin had a choice to make. Daddy was saved. Daddy was in church. Sister was saved. Sister was in church. But Curtin had to make a choice. He couldn't depend on what his daddy was doing. He couldn't hope and what his daddy was doing would get him to heaven, but instead, on that day in the graveyard, God, <laughs> God comes seeking him, and Kurt went to seeking God, and they ran smack dab in the middle of one another, and did a dance in the graveyard. Yippee and holy hallelujah! It's a real place place of consciousness. It's a place of concern. It's a place of convictions. Hell is real. This rich man figured out hell was real. Hell is not just the grave. As a lot of folks will tell you, well, hell is on earth. You may deal with some effects of hell on earth, but hell is not this earth. Hell is not just going into the grave. Hell is not just a quick, hey, all right, I gotta go to hell. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy it while it lasts. I'm going to hell quick, burn up, all everything's done. No, no, no. It's eternal. I need to retract that. Hell is not eternal, but the punishment, the condemnation is eternal. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Something else about this conviction. Hell is full of good people with good intentions and good upbringing y'all hear me yeah. swab full of good people but they rejected God second peter chapter number 2 second peter chapter number 2 verse number 4 for if god spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Spare not that, uh, spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world uh, of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning or condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. I, I, I know people don't like to admit it, but even Sodom and Gomorrah are good examples of wrong living and God's judgment. But people are blinded to the fact. Listen to this. Verse number 4 really is where I want to be right here. God spared not the angels of sin, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness. To be reserved unto judgment. So you need to know today, hell, hell is a real place. And God will turn the ungodly, he says there in verse number 6, into hell, just as he cast the devil, the angels into hell. Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20 verse number 2. Verse number 1 said there was an angel. Verse number 2 he says that angel laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. Somebody go ahead and say amen. And, and he is the devil and Satan. And bound him a thousand years. What did he do? He, he, he threw him. He says in verse number 3, cast him to the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon it, that he should not deceive the nation no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. I want you to know, it says that he put him in the bottomless pit. He put him in, here we find this, Hell. He put him in hell. Did you hear me? He put the devil in hell. Not yet. Not yet. But one day, let me me put this in perspective. This is going to happen seven years after the rapture. Even so come Lord Jesus I can't wait for God to come back. I'm excited for the Lord. to. Come. So let's just say he comes today. In seven years, the devil's going to be bound for a thousand years. you catch that? It could be as quick as seven years, Brother Bobby, that the devil is bound for a thousand years. But know this. Everybody that goes to hell between now and then, they're going to be in hell with the devil. For at least a thousand years. But it says that he's reserved until the day of judgment. So here we go. The end, this is the end of a man without God, right here, is the lake of fire. <clears throat> you will have, but just, I believe, just a, a split moment of time of relief from hell. And that is found in Revelation, chapter number, we'll be in chapter number 20. I need to read something in chapter number 19. But it says in verse number uh, 12. Let's, let's, let's look at verse number 12 of chapter 20. And I saw the dead, small and, this is, this is after the rapture, This is after this thousand year reign. This is after the devil has been bound a thousand years. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books, plural, were opened. And another book, singular, was opened. That book, singular, that was opened is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell. Did you catch that? Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every morning, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I told you about that verse over in 19, chapter number 19, verse number 20. It's it's the first mention of this lake of fire. And the beast was taken with him, and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. It says... "...with which he those miracles he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast into a lake of fire burning with brimstone." That's just the first mention. I just threw that in there. But here in this chapter, 20, verse number 12 down through verse 15, we find that the end of man without God is eternity. In the lake of fire. Oftentimes we'll say you'll spend eternity in hell. But most of us understand that that the end result is death and hell will be will be itself cast into the lake of fire. We, we understand that. So it's okay to say someone's going to spend eternity in hell. But the, 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 the truth, the pinpointed truth is they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Your eternal home is in a place where there is no relief. And we we don't know anything about the lake of fire. That's one of the scariest things about it, Brother Wayne. Right. That we do not know anything about I mean, I'm scared enough about hell. Right. I mean, if I was lost here today, I'd get saved just because I didn't want to go to hell. But there's more to it than that. Yeah. We don't know anything about the lake of fire. We don't know if it's truly a lake that has fire in it. Or if it's lava, I don't know. We don't know if there's, it's just, I don't don't even, I can't even comprehend it, Nathan. But I do know that once we get beyond verse number 15, if I'm not mistaken, my hand up, we might have to go to chapter 21, verse number 8. Beyond that, there's no more mention of it because there's no more need to mention it. That is the end of man without God. There's no explanation of it. All we know is burning with fire and brimstone, according to chapter 19. We know that it is a lake of fire, and we know that they will spend eternity there. I read that very carefully about those books and the book. There is a book. There is a book. There is a book that your name must be written in. And that is the Lamb's book of life. And if it is not, you will be cast into that lake of fire. The end of man without God is not just death, but it is the second and final death. So I don't understand. When you were born... You were born once. If you never get saved, and you die physically, you will die. You will have a memorial service. You will have some, some service to recognize your life and death. So you've been born once. You die once. You're buried. You go to hell. Death and hell, give up the dead which were in it. They are both cast into the lake of fire to spend all eternity, which is the second death. You're born once, but you die twice. Here's the good news. You're born once, June 20th, 1979. Born once, but I got born again on April 24th, 1992. I've been born twice, but guess what, Kurt? One of these days, I'm going to take my last breath unless the Lord raptures us out of here. I'm going to die one time on this earth. I'll never have to die again. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with... To be present... To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Only how come that could ever happen, Brother D, is to be born twice, to be born again. Otherwise, Aaron, you've got to die twice. It's coming. The song of invitation. This morning, my heart truly is for you. You say, "Who is you?" I have no. To this moment, I have no idea who this message is for. I've looked around. I tried to. I try. I tried to see if anybody's lost. But guess what? I can't tell the intents of the heart. You might be here and you might have made a profession, but you know that you're lost. You need to get saved today, and God's. God's knocking. He's drawing. He's calling. Don't turn him away. This might be the last time he'll do that. Maybe this is the first time you've truly heard about hell. You've never made a profession, or maybe you're, maybe you're, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're religious. You don't have any bad things in your life. You don't have, like we had, had Jody and his family stand up, you don't have all of that in your background. But you have religion in your background. Can I tell you something? Religion will send you to hell just as quick as this outright sin that we have all over the place. In a minute. Because all religion is, is you trying to feel good about yourself. Maybe your background is religion and you do feel good about yourself, but there's something in your heart today. Man, woman, boy, or girl, there's something in your heart today that's saying something's not right. There's something missing in your life. I want you to know today that is probably, most likely, sure enough, I'll go ahead and say it. That is God drawing you to salvation. Not not a new religion. I'm, I'm Baptist. All the way down, I'm Baptist. Being Baptist does not save me. Being a member of Lighthouse Baptist Church does not save me. Being born into the family of God... Being redeemed out of sin, and out of shame. Having the blood of Jesus Christ that came and died for man, woman, boy and girl, regardless of what they have or have not done. It is because of that blood that's been applied to my life and washed away all of my sin. It is because of that that I can stand up here and say, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. heard a man say he was kind of jokingly said it he said i'm so saved i can swing out over hell on a rotten corn stalk with a water gun full of gasoline that's pretty saved right there if you're not that sure there's a place down here for you to come figure it out maybe you just want to come and say god thank you that i'm not going to that place Maybe you got a brother, sister, cousin, uncle, aunt, mama, daddy, son, or daughter that's going to hell. And you just want to pray and ask God to save them before it's too late. Go ahead. And Let's stand. Altars are open today. You come.